Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Is that right? Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. I'm so glad to hear Brother Miller talking about that little lady getting healed last night. Been deaf ever since she was three years old. It's wonderful when God touches His people. I don't tell you, there ain't nothing in the world like it. I mean, it excites me to hear about somebody being being helped. I mean, seriously. It seems like society in the world today, they're all about taking something from you. The government. It's all about taking something from you. Your neighbors. I mean, and, and, and God help us, even our family members sometimes. seems like they're in it for the usury. I mean, uh, they, they befriend you or they call you. They come visit you, not just to sit down and have a conversation and, and be friendly. and, and No, not, not to build a relationship, but, but it's usury. They want you to do something. They need you, you know. But thank God for help. The administration of helps. Is that right? The Bible talks about it. We're supposed to be that. We're supposed to be a help to somebody. And I'll tell you, I've had this scripture on my mind and in, boiling in my heart for two or three weeks now. And so I'd just like to share it with you really quick. Pastor will probably come on out here and just, just shortly because he was ready to go before we ever went into prayer. You could tell. And that's fine. But just two, two, uh, two different places. If you'll turn with me to Exodus first, Exodus 34. And if you got your Bible this morning, I encourage you, please, please open it up and follow me. Because it's one thing to sit and listen to someone teach, minister, or preach. And, and you, can, you can rejoice over it because it feels good when you're hearing it and you're agreeing with it in your mind. But if you'll actually open your Bible and follow along in the reading, it instills something inside of you. It really does. I know the difference. I've been there both ways. <laughs> Amen. That's why we encourage you to bring your Bible. Amen. It's not an ornament. Amen? It's like Christmas times. You put ornaments on trees one time a year, right? Well, we, our Bible is not an ornament that we pick up and put on us one time a week. Amen? It should go with us everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. You never know when you're going to need that Word of God. You never know when you're going to need to flip through a Scripture. Is that right? Amen. Exodus chapter 34. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Everybody there? Exodus chapter 34. I want to go back to 33 really quick and read verse 18. Just as a point of reference, 33, 18. Moses said, I beseech thee, talking to God, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. He beseeched him, Sister Kathy. Moses had got caught up to the mountain. Called up to the mountain. There he went on that trek. He was up there. He didn't eat. He didn't drink, the Bible said. He was just in the presence of God, getting instruction. Getting in. You've been there a time or two in your life. You've been to that mountain where you felt God pulling you. You felt God calling you. Amen. And you laid everything down, everything, for a few minutes. And you went up to be with God. And you just sit and you just received instruction from Him. It's just you and God, amen. And, you, and the world was just passing on by, tick, 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 but nothing mattered. And you got to that place where you could call out, 
I beseech thee, O God. <laughs> Show me your glory. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. I know you've been there. I know you've said those same words Moses said. You get so caught up with God that you just say, Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Amen. And having said that, now we're going to go to uh, chapter 34 and start in verse 29 maybe. And it came to pass when Moses came down from the mountain. Now the Lord had already talked with him. He had already visited with the Lord. He had had his private time. And, and he had gotten full-blown worship. <laughs> I want to tell you, there wasn't nothing artificial about that scripture, uh, thirty-three eighteen, when he said, Show me thy glory. Wasn't nothing fake or artificial about that. So he has been with the Lord, and now here he is coming back down off the mountain. Any of you been there? <laughs> well, now you've got to go back and deal with people. Now you've got to go back and deal with the church, and now you've got to go back and deal with life. So here he is. And it came to pass when Moses came down from the mountain, Mount Sinai, with the two tables of, of the testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him or with God. I'll tell you something. That is some of the most blessed times when you've been with God and he's kind of rubbed off on you and you didn't even know it. What happens is, is when we realize it, then we try taking advantage of it. Come on, it's true. <laughs> Once we realize it, then we change. We change because now we think we've done something, you know, nobody else has done, or we've been somewhere nobody else has been. But at this point in time, Moses didn't even know it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Come on, I want somebody to feel what I'm feeling this morning. He had been in the presence of God, and God had actually imprinted on him. You know what that word imprint means? Animals, wild animals. You can get a wild animal, a baby, a cub or something. And it will, you can imprint on it and it will consider you as it is. It will consider you its mama. Little animals, little chickens. Chicken, I used to have a little chicken that followed me everywhere. Because it, it imprinted. I imprinted on it. And, and it thought we were one and the same. It considered me one and the same with it. God had imprinted on Moses. They were the same. Oh my God. And this is before Jesus. This is before the Christ. God imprinted on a man. And he shone. It's like being around something nuclear. <laughs> you know, it glowed. <laughs> Amen. And he didn't even realize it. That he was, you can't realize it. When a little baby uh, is born and you go and you visit that mother and the little baby is just tiny, you know, and you're just loving on it and kissing on it and you're just, you think it's all that. And then you go home and you don't see them for a month or two and come back. And the baby, my goodness, has grown. Is that right? Well, the baby don't realize it. It's just living. It's just, it's just growing. It's just doing what it normally, naturally should do. It's not aware that it's getting bigger, that its hair's getting longer, that its, its legs are getting stouter, that its arms are getting stronger. It don't even realize it. But everybody else does. Is that right? So here Moses has been with God, and he didn't even realize what all had been taking place inside of him while he was in the presence of God. 
but everybody else did. That's why it's so important, folks, that we spend time with God. Not spend time with our Bible. Come on. It's not just about reading all the time. It's not just about praying prayers all the time. Reading don't do nothing if you're not in His presence. Praying, saying words, doesn't do nothing as long as you're not in His... Oh yeah, I'm telling you. I've prayed many a prayer that didn't mean nothing because I never reached His presence. There's something always up here blocking me, something hindering me, something bugging me, something on my mind. Have you ever caught yourself praying and then right in the middle of a 10 or 15 minute prayer realize that you're thinking about your bills? Come on, you're in the presence of your bills. You're not in His presence anymore. You're in the presence of, of that trouble and that calamity. Come on now, I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> and it came to pass when he came down from the mountain that Moses didn't even realize that the skin of his face shone. Now finish reading it. While he talked with God. While he was in his presence, he was being changed. <laughs> yes, he was because his face didn't glow. Even whenever he was called as a baby, floating in the basket. Come on. Floating among the bulrush. When, that, when Pharaoh's daughter opened the basket, his face didn't shine. That wasn't the reason she pulled him out of the water. Uh, he had a call, but he hadn't been with God. <laughs> There's a difference. We can have a call in our life, amen. And it can be beneficial. And we can use it to minister. But then we can actually get in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And we don't have to open our mouth. All we got to do is just step forward. And people can tell. And people can tell. I want to tell you something. I've seen people. I was talking about it this morning. People can have a real word that came right out of the Bible. But they hadn't been in the presence of God. So the word is hard. And people can't receive it. It's more offensive than it is helpful. Come on. It's true. It is very true. But then there's other people who can just stand up. I remember one man one time stood up to testify. Old, old guy. Uh, blue jeans. Uh, he had, had dipped snuff because he had his little snuff can in his blue uh, overalls pocket. <laughs> and he never said anything. I mean, I'd been in church with him for years and I'd never really heard him say anything. He just always attended with his wife. But then this one service always sticks in my mind. I don't even remember what the preacher prayed or preached. I don't remember what the choir sang. But I do remember Herb Knowles, this quiet man who never said anything, just came to church with his wife. He got in the presence of God during that service. <laughs> and I remember he did this. They always took testimonies at the Baptist church. At the end of service, they'd say, anybody got anything you want to say, you want to testify? And I remember Herb, he did like this right here. Held his hand, finger up like this right here. And, and I was in shock. I'm like, Herb's going to say something, you know. And I remember he stood up. And when he stood up, he was just crying. Just crying. Crying. I mean, to that kind of crying where you're going, ooh, like that, you know. Not boo-hooing, but And he was just trembling. And he stood there and he cried for probably three or four minutes. And then he just sat back down. <laughs> <laughs> he'd been in the presence of God and it made an impression on me and the man never said a word never, never quoted a scripture 
never, never mentioned anything about what he had done or where he had been. But I knew he'd been in the presence of God. <laughs> Amen. That's what I'm reaching for, Brother Donald. That's what I'm reaching for. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he didn't even realize that his face shone. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh to him. They knew it was powerful. Even they could recognize the power that was radiating off of him because it was in him. Hallelujah. He had been in the presence of God. Things are hindering the church world from coming into the presence of God. And we're putting on a form just like the thing that we used to try to break away from. Come on. See, we got to keep on top of this. Because a form will creep in before you know it. And all a form does is it robs you of your glory. Remember how Moses said, show me your glory? You can't see his glory without getting glory on you. Can't be done. (laughs) You can't pray for rain standing outside without getting wet. Can't be done. If you're standing out there and you're saying, Lord, I want it to rain, but I don't want to get wet. Not going to happen. You can't pray, God, show me your glory, and it not get on you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the people saw it, and they were afraid because they knew he had been in the presence of God. He didn't have to say, I just went up on that mountain and talked to God. He didn't say nothing. He was just walking down the mountain. And the people saw him, and they were like, whoa. What's happened to Moses? He has changed. There's something changed about him. He's glowing. He's radiating. You ever seen a little mother who's expecting? Her face just glows because there's something growing inside of her. Something she's in love with that's inside of her. And she can't wait to see it. She can't wait to bring it forth. Amen. When we get in the presence of God, that's what happens to us. He fills us with himself. And we begin to glow from the inside out. I dare you to get into the presence of God and say something hateful. I dare you to get into the presence of God and think about a bill or a trouble. I want to tell you, when I was going through my sickness, the battle with cancer, and I would be so tormented in my mind, the devil would just, he he was constantly saying, uh, Sister Deborah, he's constantly saying, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to take your anointing away, and I'm I'm going to molest your children now that you're gone, and there won't be nobody there, and it was a torment. And all I could do, I couldn't even get myself up, all I could do was strive to get into the presence of God. And I would pray and I would pray and I would reach for God until I came into His presence. And then when I was in His presence, I never asked for healing. (laughs) I didn't. That wasn't what I... All I could do was glorify Him. Because in His presence, all your troubles melt away. In His presence, all your cares fade away. In His presence, come on, I'm talking about something that we have got to have to enter into this kingdom. We've got to offer somebody something that they ain't already got. Amen. Whenever Moses came down from the mountain, all he could offer them people was do not, do not, do not, do not. But yet they wanted that. Why? They was willing to be shackled. That was a shackle. That was a shackle. They was willing to be bound by the commandments because they saw the power radiating off of Moses. But now listen, it gets better. And Moses called unto them and to Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation, uh, 
and, I, and, and to all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. Uh, verse 33, till Moses had done speaking with them, and then he put a veil on his face. Now, a lot of people think, and I've heard it preached, that he put this veil on his face because they were so afraid and he didn't want to scare them off. But that wasn't it at all. We'll continue reading and we'll see that Moses put a veil on his face because that glow was fading. The further he stayed away from God, the longer he stayed away from the presence and was with the people, the glow began to fade. And he veiled his face because he didn't want them to see that the glow was fading. They, he wanted them to still be in awe. He wanted them to still think that that presence was there. Come on, we're going to read it. Don't take my word for it. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again when he went in to speak with him. So he'd take the veil off and he'd run in to speak with God. He'd get the shine. He'd come back out. He'd say, I've been with God. And then it would start to fade. And then he'd run back in. How about that? He had been in his presence. Now, I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians. This was my second scripture that I was telling you about. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is just going to be Paul talking to us about God's glory. And that word glory means most exalted state. When Moses said, show me your glory, O God, he was saying, show me your most exalted place your most exalted state of that condition with God the father in heaven in which Christ was raised after he had achieved his work on earth that's Strong's G1391 I'm not making it up (laughs) I've studied listen to what he's saying glory is that condition with God the father in heaven To which Christ, what are we trying to obtain? Christ. We're trying to obtain that. That's what Moses was asking when he didn't even know what he was asking for. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Have you ever just been real caught up in prayer and all of a sudden you blurt out something and you're like, wait a minute, what did I just say? I remember one time I was bound with something that I could not get free from. And I tried and I tried. It was an absolute addiction. And I feel sorry for people who are addicted to anything. I don't care what it is because it's bigger than you. As long as you're flirting with it, you can stamp it out. But once you become addicted with it, it's got you. You ain't got it anymore. But I want to tell you something. I remember when I drove all the way to Fort Payne to get away from this addiction. And I got on the floor to pray during prayer. And I was, I was calling out to God. And I was saying, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. But, it, but, I, but even then I had to confess I can't do it. I can't do it. But I was at such a place where I had wrestled for so many months trying to get away, trying to get away, trying to get out from under this and couldn't. And I remember hearing God speak to me just like that. And he said, you want me to pray for you? Because I knew the prayer I had to pray. 
but I couldn't make myself do it. Come on. Y'all know what, anybody know what I'm talking about? I knew the thing that I had to do, but I didn't want to do it. I mean, I wanted it for a little bit, but then when I thought I had to completely separate, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I was scared. And I remember telling God that. And we're going to get to that scripture, that scripture that I'm talking about right there, where you got to come clean with God. And I said, oh God, I, I want to be free, but I can't do it. I can't say it. I can't say because if I know if I say it, that's it. And I remember God speaking to me and said, you want me to pray it? You want me to pray for you? And I remember surrendering. <laughs> I just, it was like a weight off. I just remember surrendering. And I remember that something started rolling out of me, Brother Donald, that said, shut every door that I can't shut. Close those doors for me, God. Close the doors that I can't close. It was powerful. It was just like Moses. That glory came on me. That exalted state entered inside of me. I was lowly and couldn't do it. But then all of a sudden I became exalted with Him. Amen. I got so full of Him it was like helium. And all of a sudden my feet weren't touching the ground anymore. I was way above my circumstance. <laughs> and that prayer began to come out of me. Just freeing me, freeing me, freeing me. And my God, what was prayed in the spiritual, the next day was shut in the natural. I mean shut just like that, never to be opened again. I'm telling you, you can reach a place in God just like Moses did. Hallelujah. Glory to God, we're the Christ. That thing, he didn't even know what he was asking for. It still came down. It still entered inside of him. And it shone from the inside out. Amen. Glory to God. And Paul begins to talk about it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 7 really, really quick. Verse 7 says, But if the, manifest, if the ministration, which means laws, that word ministrations there means laws, but if the ministration of death or the law of death, which was the Ten Commandments, written and graven in stones was glorious. <laughs> you remember when we talked about, I don't know, it's been about three or four months ago. Aunt Pat ain't here. She's missing it. The very day she wanted me to minister on it, she's not here. We're going to pray that she gets to uh, get a copy of this somehow or listen to it on live stream. But you remember when we talked about Captain Sully flying that plane and how that there was a first law of gravity that held us, bound us to the earth, and then all of a sudden, Along came the Wright brothers and they discovered a second law that did not acquit or do away with gravity. It just rose above it. It got them off the ground. The law of aerodynamics. Remember those two laws? Well, listen at this. That's what verse 7 saying. But if the ministration or the law of death written and graven in stones was glorious, it still was an exalted place because he got it when he was with God. It was still glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the, for the glory of his countenance which was glory to be done away with. Do you know why it faded? Because it was the glory of the law. And the law wasn't meant to be established forever. It was the law was for a season. The law was for a season. Therefore the glory, the longer he stayed away from God, the, the, the presence of God... The, the, the glow began to fade. And it was meant to because the law was never meant to be established forever. Verse 8, How shall not the ministration or the law of the Spirit be rather glorious? 
more glorious in other words. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Can you see this as a ladder, as stepping stones, as we don't do away with salvation, but we need to go on. That's what Paul said when he said, don't make me have to come back and teach and preach the first principles. We should have that. We should have that and firm. I'm saved. I love what Brother Matter said. I'm not fighting to stay saved. I don't tell you I'll go anywhere. Anywhere. And I'll tell you I'm saved. <laughs> I mean, I've got that under my belt. I know I have been changed from death unto life. Amen. Glory to God. But this kingdom, and I'll tell you something. We was talking about that this morning. This Holy Ghost, I got it. Amen. I know I got it. I've never had anything work inside of me. I was saved for years and didn't have the Holy Ghost. Until one day, I made a little visit with a sister over to Brother Patterson's church and got filled and didn't even know what it was. I came to myself speaking in tongues and I went... Because I'm one of them kind of people. What? What? And then I wanted to do it and couldn't. (laughs) And then I remember going to this little prayer meeting where this woman spoke in tongues... And I would try to mimic her. I'd go home at night. Now, I wouldn't do it in church. But I'd go home at night and in bed I'd say, what did she say? Holla mana who? Holla mana what? Holla, 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 holla. You know? Because I wanted that. But then it was a gift and it had to be given to me. You know? But I had that second rung under me. But there's something still even more glorious out there, Brother Donald. (sighs) There's a ladder. Jacob saw it. That descended and ascended into heaven. My God, he saw that ladder. There's a ladder out there that we can climb. We can't just stay planted on the first rung. There's something more glorious than just death. There's something more glorious than just speaking in tongues. Amen. There's something more. It's called the presence of God where he actually inhabits his people. Hallelujah. Not a visitation, but a habitation. Not just where He comes and visits us when we get caught up in the Spirit, but where He walks in us, amen. And He talks through us, glory to God. And He shines out of us. Hallelujah. That's what I'm striving for. Where it's not such a struggle to do it. It just happens. (laughs) Amen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Glory to God. Where it's not such a fight to do right. It just comes natural. Where it's not such a fight when people curse you and call, call, uh, call your name out as evil and for you to love them anyways. There's some people it's hard for me to love yet. I know I hadn't reached that rung on the ladder. <sighs> but I'm striving for it. I'm striving for it. And I don't want to be 100 years old before I obtain it. And I'm not looking for it after I die. I'm looking for it right now. Hallelujah. Paul saw it. And he said, we could have it. <laughs> Let's read a little further. But if the ministration of death written engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which was the glory to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit or the law of the Spirit be rather glorious or more glorious? How can you become more glorious? 
Glory is an exalted state. You got to have Him in you. You got to have Him in you. Hallelujah. I'll tell you something about a helium. Helium only goes up so high. Did y'all know that? Helium only goes up so high. Then you got to have that hot air. <laughs> That's the reason they don't just pump helium in those hot air balloons. You got to have something. There's, there's greater and greater things out there that we don't know about. It is. Come on. That's the reason when you put a, a helium in a balloon, it goes so high and then it just starts floating north or south, east or west. It goes so high and then it starts floating. But those astronauts, they strap themselves to some gases that pushes them beyond this atmosphere. Glory to God. There's things out there we don't know about. They're mysteries, but they're being revealed. And you know how they're revealed? We cry out for them. We cry out for them. Hallelujah. Do you know what brought Jesus? Do you know what brought the Christ to this earth? The Hebrews calling out, crying out. Do you know what brought Moses as a baby? Them, them, them Hebrews calling out, calling out for a deliverer. My God, you know what we've done? We've gotten satisfied. We've gotten satisfied and we don't call for nothing anymore. We call, oh Lord Jesus, help me. But not, oh Lord Jesus, help the church. Oh Lord Jesus, where's your glory? Where's your glory? Amen. Where are you at, O oh God? Verse 9. For the, manifesta- for the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more that the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Exceed. For that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face. Now listen, this is what we was talking about a second ago. That the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. He didn't want them to see it fading. But their minds were blinded until the day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Amen. Let me, let me go on down. Uh, verse 17. But now the Lord is that Spirit. But now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18. But we all. Somebody needs to say it with me. We all. You know what that saying Paul is saying? Not just Moses anymore. Not just Moses anymore. You know what? He even, he even went as far as to say, not just the church. Not just the apostles. Not just the prophets. But we all means every one of us. Melissa, that means you. Amen. That means every one of We all. Every one of us. We ought to shout. With open face. You know what that means? No veil. No veil. Because this thing, once it comes, ain't going to leave. We don't have to be afraid of camouflaging it. We don't have to be afraid of propping it up. We don't have to be afraid because now with open face, you know, uh, older folk used to have open face watches. We don't have that anymore. Everything's digital. But back in the old days, I remember you could take a pocket watch and you could pop, pop it open. Amen. And you could see all the workings. All the workings. That's open. Open face. You pop it open, and there it is. 
all the workings. The crystals, everything. The cogs, the turns, the pins. Open face. And he's saying, when you pop us open, there ain't no flesh in there to prop anything up. It's just God. You can see all the workings, the ministrations. That's what I'm talking about. The ministrations of the Spirit. You'll see it working in our lives. Amen. Because we're walking around open face. <laughs> hallelujah. We're walking around, hallelujah, the real deal. We're walking around Christ in us. Our hope is in His glory. Hallelujah. And it's going to shine through us. Glory to God. What's hindering us? is, And that's where I, I went to prolonged appetite. We're not seeking God. We're not getting in His presence. We're not hungering and thirsting after Him. And what has caused us to lose our appetite for His presence is two things. We're either sick with sin. We've got sin in our lives that we've covered up. We've hidden it from the face of the church. We bring it in to our churches and to our services. And God won't move when there's a bunch of sin and junk in the church and people acting like there's something they're not. And He won't do it. You ask Joshua whenever they went over there to little Ai and they said, you know what, don't even send the whole army down there. Just pick you out a couple couple hundred thousand or so and go down there and take Ai because it's just a little bitty city. They went down there and Ai slaughtered them. And they come back. Amen. They was like, we can't take Ai. And Joshua was laying on his face praying and he's like, oh God, oh God. And God said, get up, arise and sanctify the people. What that means, arise means get up and sanctify the people means deal with it. Get up and deal with it. We're going to have to get honest with ourselves and with God and get the sin out of our lives. Amen. If there's sin in our life and you know what I'm talking about this morning, I don't have to find out anything on you. It's not my job to know your business like that. That's God's job. My job is to point out that you're not going anywhere if it's there. You're not going to... You're not, I'm not your... Uh, I know... With, uh, who was it? Uh, Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And yeah, he was at that time. <laughs> he really was. And we should encourage one another. But I don't babysit adults. Amen. Brother Metter shouldn't have to babysit adults. Come on, somebody. If you're saved and every one of us is in here has been saved long enough and sanctified through the Spirit, he shouldn't have to babysit us. He shouldn't have to check up on us. Amen? Come on, somebody. Wave at me. You know I'm telling you the truth. You know I'm telling you the truth. So if there ain't no sin in our lives, then you know what the other alternative is? We're filling ourselves up on junk food, on junk religion, on junk preaching, on junk singing, on junk stuff. And it's curbing our appetite, but it's not making us healthy in Christ. All it's doing is a quick fix. That sugar fix, really quick, pumps you up just for a church service. Come on. You only pumped up for two hours during church and then when the, the other four days, you write down just as low as everybody else. You know why? Junk food. Junk, junk, junk. We're filling ourselves with junk and not His presence. His presence will shine, the Bible says, like the noonday. <laughs> hey, go out there today around 12 or 1 o'clock. Just step outside. It won't take you about two or three seconds. You run back into air conditioning because that sun is bright. And that sun is hot. And that sun will draw from you. It will draw from you. The same is true with His presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You get in His presence and it's hot. The Bible said He is a consuming fire. Amen. Is that right, somebody? He will consume sin. My God, when we get in His presence, He will draw it out of us. Like an ointment. 
Amen. Come on, nurse. You know what I'm talking about? You get something uh, uh, something on there and you put some cortisone on there or some uh, uh, neosporin on there and it'll begin to draw all that stuff, all them toxins, all that bad stuff. Draw it right out. I'm telling you, if you just spend some time with God in His presence, amen, He'll begin to change us. Hallelujah. How many people want to be changed? Glory to God. I'm not coming over here just to kill three or four hours on a Sunday. I can be other places doing other things. I come over here, amen, to be changed. Glory to God. I want to be changed. And in order for me to be changed, if you're sick and you go to the doctor, once the doctor diagnoses you, he will give you a prescription or something that you need to do daily to get better. Somebody needs to follow me. We come here on Sunday morning to learn something. We come and, and, and the Word gives us a prescription of what we need to do daily until this thing is cured in us. Woo! Glory! And if you miss doses, you can't double up. People come to the... People come to the finance company and they're wanting the, the, one of the main things I hear while I'm there is, how do I get my credit score up? How do I get my credit score up? How do I get my credit? They're wanting something that they don't qualify for. Come on, somebody hang with me just a second. They're asking for something they don't qualify for. They want, you know, $3,000, but the credit score says you can only have $500. Mm -hmm. So how do I get my credit score up? Well, you take out a loan for what you can afford. Take a step. But then you can't just pay it off tomorrow and that credit score go up. Because what the credit or the Equifax is looking for is consecutive payments. Consistency. Not being late, being on time month after month after month after month. Looking you know what God's looking for? <sighs> Consistency. You can't come once every six months, and I know this probably ain't for y'all because y'all are consistent, but maybe it's for the live stream. You can't come once every six months and expect to get $3,000. Not when you got a low credit score with God. Come on, somebody. Does that make sense? We've got to put in the time to get the wage. We say we're wanting something from God, but how much time are we spending outside of Sunday morning service? There should be some change going on. And you may not can tell it, but I'll tell you something about that credit score. You come in and you make that payment every month on time, you can't see your credit score. You don't know what it's doing. Until six months, you come back and renew. And in six months, you come back to renew, I'll see it before you do. I'll see it before you do. Because I'll pull it up and I'll say, my God, look how that credit score has grown. Look how it has changed. Amen. Glory to God. Six months from the time this church, we started meeting here, brother, every one of us should show some change. Every one of us. Oh, but I ain't called. I don't care if you called or not. You should still be changing. You should still be changing. Every one of us. What did Paul say? We all with open face. You want to change in front in the presence of God? Get your church camouflage off and go to Him. Not with tongues. He's not, he don't care about your tongues. Get your holy uh, uh, 
whatever it is that you put on. And we do it. Every one of us do it. <laughs> Every single one of us. <laughs> we don't want to look neat. I am the world's worst, okay? I'll just confess. I won't even point at you. I'll close my eyes and I'll say me. If I'm going through something, more than likely you won't know about it until it's all over. It ain't because I don't trust you with it. It ain't because I don't need help. I have just been sheep bit so many times. Sheep bit so many times that I don't trust anybody with my stuff. Come on. You've got to be a, I mean, you've got to have some time with me. I've got to know you. I mean, I've got to know you before I share anything with you. And don't take it offensive. You should be that way too. I'm serious. You know the reason you can't go to the church down the road and preach? Because somebody done told something on you that they knew. Come on. But when we go to God, or yeah, a lot of times it was true on me, they told me. But when we go to God, we can't have none of that religious stuff on us. Because God ain't wanting you to come to Him greater than Him. He ain't wanting you to come to Him equal with Him. He's wanting you to come to Him with your need. He's wanting you to come to Him broken so He can fix you. He's wanting you to come to Him just as you are and ask for exactly what you need. Amen. And if it's change, be specific. You know where that area is. I don't. I'm glad I don't. But He does. We don't have it hid from Him anyways. We want to change. And we're asking God, make us something, Lord Jesus. All these blurred lines and this junk religion, it has changed us, but not for the good, but for the, for the worse. <laughs> Paul said in 2 Corinthians, Paul is fixing to reference to what we just mentioned in Exodus about the glory. He's saying there's still a glory. There's a greater glory. Do you see any Moseses running around nowadays? Do you see anybody's face shining with the, with the light of the Lamb? Why? Because it ain't real. It was real in Exodus. Paul said it was real. Amen. And I'll be fair with you. I have seen some people. Not here lately. But I have seen people, Brother Matter, that you could tell the Spirit of God was all over them. They didn't have to say a word. The Spirit of God was all over them. They just had a peace. They walked in a peace. They walked in a, in a place with God. Amen. Where you knew. I mean, there's just something about some people. Like Kathy Conrad. I tell you, I don't share my stuff with anybody. But there was something about Kathy. From the moment I met her, I felt like I could just go into her. You know what I'm saying? about going. I could just share with her. I knew that she wouldn't spread it. I knew she wouldn't judge me. I knew she wouldn't uh, uh, cast my name out as evil. I really believed that she would pray for me. And even if she didn't pray, I believe she'd listen. Sometimes we just need to vent. Sometimes, I'm serious, sometimes we need to get girls, I don't know about guys, girls, sometimes we just need to get stuff off our chest. You can't do that with just anybody. Kathy's always been a friend to me. But you know what? There is something I saw in you. Not anything you told me. You can tell, oh, I've had people come up to me and say, you can tell me anything. And immediately I'm like, yeah. You doesn't want to know something? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I've known stuff on people. Uh, Zeb, Brother Patterson's son, Zeb, he came up to me one time and he said, Susie, he said, you know, there was this little brother in the church and said, 
he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do at a store one time, and you come in to pay for gas. And he said, he come and told me, he said, I've been in church with Susie three or four times since then, but she's never told on me. And he said, wow, he's like, you really made a difference in his life. And, and you know, the thing of it is, is I don't look for your sin. So if you were buying alcohol or buying lottery tickets or I don't buying cigarettes, whatever it is he was doing, I don't even know. I don't, because I wasn't looking for it. If he had it in his hand, I probably went up and said, hey, man, how are you doing? I'll see you in church Sunday, okay? I don't examine what has he got, what's he buying, what's he doing. I don't expect that out of people. I expect the best out of people, Amen. Glory to God. And the Bible says, if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual, go and restore him. <laughs> Come on, we've got to get this thing down path where it works for us. Amen. And when it works for us, then we can actually take it out to the community and it'll work for the church. And it'll work for the neighbors. Amen. And then people will be drawn to this light. The Bible said, if he be lifted up, what will he do? He will draw all men unto Him. Oh my God! I'm telling you, I'm talking about a change. A change that takes place inside of each one of us so that we can change the world. There's this one uh, ministry that's on TV and uh, I just remember when it come on, uh, they, they would do this little intro and it was called World Changers. I don't tell you. They should have been called World Fleecers. Because it wasn't very short, very shortly, till they started asking for millions of dollars for an airplane. That he already had one. He's wanting another and a better one because God's people should have the best. Really? Well, you need to tell that to Jesus because he didn't have nothing. Yeah, yeah, the Lord just spoke to me about Paul on the counter. I was, I was talking to God. And me and God have conversations just like we're having right now. And I was telling God, I'm like, I own a different job. But i got to have money. You know, I can't just go out and not have a job. I don't want the one i got now. That's always, my, that's always my dilemma. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. I feel like I'm called to do something else. But you got to have finances, you know. And I was telling God, I said, Well, God, even Paul had to make tents to support his ministry. And God just spoke back to me and said, Do you ever read where he liked it? <laughs> you can't argue with God. Can't do it. <laughs> Do you, do you, Brother Don, you ever read where Paul liked making tents? No. No. So sometimes, sometimes. But I'm still talking about change. We're going to turn, turn it over to our pastor because I believe he's going to minister a word that's going to change us from glory to glory. Is that right? Not just a salvation message. Not just being filled with the Holy Ghost message. Not just a sanctification message. Amen. Because that's part of it. That's part of it. I'll tell you something. If you get saved and you claim to have the Holy Ghost, but you're not sanctifying yourself, then you got the wrong ghost. you got the wrong ghost. And if you're still mean and bitter, you ain't even got Casper because he was called a friendly ghost. Come on, is that right? I'm telling you, the God I serve, He's wanting to change us for the better. He's wanting to change us for the better. Amen. I've had enough of this stuff that they call God. I've had enough of it. I don't even like being a... And you know what? I've met people recently, I mean over the last couple of years, that says, I don't want nothing to do with church. People that started out in God and loved God, but they realized that glory is gone. It has faded. It was real when they very first got it, but then they realized nobody went further, went on to know the Lord, followed on to know Him. 
And they realize I got just as much as the preacher's got. So why should I go listen at him? Why should I go pay attention? Amen? But I want to change. Brother Matter, you come on. Or... Well, praise God. Boy, I tell you, I love the Spirit of God because so many things that Sister Susie was ministering on was that I can't hear back there by that air conditioner, so I couldn't even piggyback on anybody's prayer this morning. I was just, whatever. And so many things that she just ministered on is what I was praying. So many things. God is trying to, He is trying to talk to us today. Well, He is talking to us, but He's trying to work something. And what He began to show me was how, I mean, look, we got, do we think, if we think we have it, we're not going to seek for it. If you think you understand, you're not going to ask God to show me and give me understanding. If you think you see, you're not going to say, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. So you got to get real with God. So I'm getting real. I, I mean, come on. We all, you know, I got my mind would like to be on a thousand things. And so I'm reining that thing in. No, no. No, what is the Spirit saying? And I began to see what did hinder the Hebrews, the, 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 uh, the Pharisees or the Hebrew children when Jesus came. They thought they were so disappointed. They wanted Jesus to have a kingdom in this world. I'm, I'm telling you, He started showing me. We have looked at it wrong. What we have said, and I'm praying, let your kingdom come. Well, I have... Not even meaning to, but I have formulated a vision of what I think His kingdom come would be. And I began to go through the Word of God. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And He began to show me what is the kingdom of, of God, but righteousness, peace, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, where, what did Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven is within men. That's actually where He started with me, was the kingdom of heaven is within men. And the very mistake that the uh, Israelites, I don't even know, I guess you call them the Hebrew, I don't even know what you call them. Anyhow, when Jesus came, the Pharisees, but it's more than just Pharisees because some of them are just Jews. There we go. That the very mistake they made was they were looking for something on this earth and they had it in their mind of what they thought it ought to be. And that's when He called me out on that. That I thought it ought to be a corporate baptism, if you will. An external, I'm so, we are so looking, and we don't even mean to, but looking for an external, you know, I'll say, whoop out, you know, a big, uh, grow a leg, and, and that's all part of it. Don't get me wrong, but we focus on so much external, but we've missed being in His presence is where change comes. And sometimes He gives us a corporate measure of His presence that change comes. But this change in His presence is coming when we are alone with Him. There will be corporate times, but it's that presence alone with Him that's bringing that change. And that change is going to manifest from the inside. I hope this is making some kind of sense today, but He began showing me that. About that change on the inside and people are going to sense it, that glory. Jesus on the Mount Transfiguration, He had glory. But His remained. And He spoke and He says, Whom you see the Spirit come and remain. And there's a remain and an abiding. If ye abide in me 
and you and I abide in you. It's that abiding. There's a place we've heard about and we've dipped our toe into, but we haven't lived there 24-7. And He's taken us there. And He so I had to just, you know, just do a reset on my mind for what I thought the kingdom was and is. I encourage you to ask the Lord in prayer to show you what are you praying for when you say your kingdom come? He called me out on it today and I'm shocked. And I, But I thank Him. Look, I want to keep it real. That's what you said. We're not hiding one thing. God knows everything and it's just His grace that He doesn't even show us sometimes because we couldn't stand it. We'd have to just run from His presence. If we really saw. But he showed me, called me out. Well, what are you praying for? Well, I had it something on this earth. No. Okay, so I'm regrouping now. And I'm resetting my focus. I don't believe I fully understand. And I am okay with that. I think I mentioned that to you last week. I think I said, I don't think I fully understand. But I didn't even know what I was saying then. But I'm beginning to see there's a power Power is the wrong word, but I'm going to use that word today because people put a wrong connotation with power. They put it like it makes something out of them. No, but the humility that Jesus spent that time, He he spent that time with His Father in His presence. Therefore, it was. He didn't have to conjure it up. He didn't have to work a nothing. It was because He was. There is something happening in us if we let it right now it's happening not gonna it is in the process and he's trying to explain like when you're pregnant you brought that up so you go to the doctor and you're like what is happening to me and she tells you well this is what's going on and this is what you can expect but she doesn't tell you but so much because you can't handle past the morning sickness there ain't no need in trying to feel what the baby feels like when it moves no need in that let's just get this how you handle the morning sickness you get through that and then you're like, well, that's the baby moving, and this is what. And then, I mean, you don't, he can't show you the whole, if I, he can't, she can't, we can't handle it. We can't handle it. But my God, and then it's when he began to say, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. And there's something in that. There was something in that that he's going to be lifted up. He is being lifted up because it's going to be his presence. It's his righteousness, his peace, his joy. That's what's being lifted up. It's not, oh, Sister, Sister Lisa or somebody, your nature is just pleasant and fun to be around. That is flesh and carnal. There's something that goes beyond your nature. It's His nature. He, we all had a disposition that we're born with. Some more appealing to some. My flesh and your flesh might truck along pretty good, but my flesh and your flesh might butt heads. It's all flesh. You know, these are things, but, but the Spirit of God. Look, wasn't it Paul and Barnabas? They parted ways, but do you think they did not have unity of the Spirit? Do you not think that they had complete unity in the Spirit, but they had a different approach and both of them was in the will of God? Get over, mother, me and you hit it off. Get over that, but expect and and discern the Spirit of God in each other. Man, that righteousness of Him. Hallelujah. And that's what's going to separate us. And that's what they say. Uh, the scripture says they're going to buy that, uh, our love for one another is how they're going to know us. Say, I'm going to love you anyhow. 
You're going to love me. Anyhow, Paul and Barnabas, they went separate ways, but there's no way he'd have put a knife in each other's back. No way. No way that divides the kingdom. No way. But so you're going to just go on and you're fighting for that kingdom. And let's ask God to open our understanding. Ask Him. That was just spot on this morning. God's talking. Get in His presence. Not just here. You know, I'm going to say this and give it on over to the next, you know, however the Lord's going to talk to us. But I believe I shared part of a dream that I had. And you talked about form. You can get in the form in anything. I mean, God can speak and now it's a form. The law became a form. You know, but prayer, our pastor has taught so much about prayer before church, but you can make it form if you're bound to it. I believe in good discipline. Absolutely, I believe in it. But you can get bound to it. And if you're so legally bound and you're stripping a gear because a clock's ticking and you can't get on your knees, buddy, you've missed it. Now there's a drawing in your spirit and I will get agitated when somebody's messing with what I need to do in the Lord. But I'm talking about flesh getting bound in religion and making you think you're getting something. So this part of this dream I had where there was a separation in ministry that came and it was quite difficult. And you know what brought the separation? Let me tell you. So uh, in the dream, I believe I shared this with y'all a few weeks back, and I will make it very brief. But we were in a church service, uh, and it was his service to minister. And we had been praying before service, as we do. And uh, the Spirit of God just spoke to me. Bam! Spoke to me. And I turned to my husband, and I said, the Spirit of, it's like I would here, man. When the Spirit of God hits me, I'll come to Sister Susie. I'll say, I, I, and she's like, yeah, good go. You know, we got that. All of us here, any of us, we know that. Well, this was in another church. And I said, what do I do? And he said, go. And I, I, I told in the dream, I said, but they don't receive me like that. I'm just Sister Lisa. No, you know, I'm just his wife and they love me because I, I'm his wife. <laughs> I said, they don't, they don't receive me like that. But I had to. God spoke. I didn't have a choice. And I was going up front to... <sighs> see how this was going to work and I turned around and uh, I never, I don't know, I don't guess I ever said anything but I turned around and I looked in the back of the church and my husband is coming up the aisles of the church and I laughed to Brother Donald to myself because I knew people would be shocked this is before church you're supposed to be praying before service, what is the mind of the spirit, you are supposed you know how we do but Brother John was coming up the aisle, hugging the people. And they were reaching, sisters. They were like, yeah. reaching. They just, but he wasn't saying, be healed, be made whole. He was saying, I love you. I'm so glad to see you today. I'm so glad you're here. And he meant it. And the people were eating it up. They were just thronging to just to touch. But it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. The people. And he was just coming, such joy, just coming up that aisle. Man can't make that joy. And I was up here and I was laughing in myself. I said, what is he doing? I have never seen him do this before. I was not offended. I thought it was, I just thought, I just never know what God's going to do through this man. What is going to, you know, what? And I was just so taken in. And at that time, the ministry dressed in black, burkas with a veil. Stood, that veil is not with an open face. They stood up 
And they walked out. And they said, hmm. but we were in a move of God. They had been down praying. They were boo-hooing, sobbing, crying. That prayer that can be so real, but it can be so religious. I can crank out tears. Religion will do it. And they got up, and that's what the one said, we were in a move of God. And they were walking out, and the other one says, I'll be no part of this, no part of that. And they walked out to eat, to a fellowship hall to eat. And I'm thinking, what part of a move of God is out in a fellowship hall? You could at least stick it out and see what might happen. That might be some God. What part of going out to a table and eating is of God? Tell me. So I said the whole, just about the whole thing. But my point was making religion out of anything. I absolutely believe in that prayer. But don't make a religion out of anything. Don't do it because you'll get bound. It'll bind you. And that's you started with that, I think, this morning. So let's keep our minds right. Come on, we got to get in and get this thing. I hope you feel God working in you. I hope every one of you in here feels God working in you. If not, go home and get in His presence. I'm telling you, I don't feel one bit bad about saying that today. I feel God working in me. He's working in me. He's working. And I'll tell you, He is. Maybe uh, you said your credit score go up, but sometimes I get an email that tells me my credit score went up just to confirm what I thought. Right? Y'all got, so I got a little alert notice that says, hey, credit scores. I'm like, mm-hmm, I thought so. I've been doing right. I've been doing right. So be doing right. If your credit score is not going up, you're not doing right. Get in and get, get it done. I got no problem telling you. So God's working in me. That's not pride, but that's what I would expect it. Otherwise, I'm a retard. Right? I'm not going to be that. I'm learning challenged. No. Get in and do right. God's working in us. Take hold of us. Don't lose faith. Take hold in us and let's continue reaching and see what God's going to tell us today. Come on. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. Like they say about me sometimes. How are you going to preach behind that? But I appreciate the Lord and what He's doing. And... Spirit of the Lord spoke to me the other morning. I woke up. I was meditating on the Lord. This is what I heard. I heard this voice singing. Peace, peace. Wonder for peace. Coming down from the Father. Above sweep oh go ahead sister go ahead and sing it again sing it again y'all sing it with them
Hallelujah. And then the Lord began to speak to my heart. He said, people don't have peace. But I came and preached a gospel of peace. But people don't have peace. They have repentance. They have salvation as far as what they understand salvation is. But they don't have peace. And that's when the Lord began to speak to me about a gospel of peace. And told me to begin to minister on a gospel of peace. I ministered last night under the tent on a gospel of peace. People that claim to know Jesus and some of them even confess the Holy Ghost, they have no peace. You don't know it, the people last night that are bound on antidepressants, nerve pills. I'm talking about people that claim to walk with God. They're bound on antidepressants, they're bound on nerve pills. They live in fear, torment, worry, anxiety. And the Lord told me, He said, I brought peace. And people are going to have to labor to get peace. And I got to studying, and the word peace translates into rest. Translates into rest. And when you don't have rest in your spirit, you're not at peace. And it's time to partake of the gospel of peace. What did he say? Cast all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. People don't give their cares to Jesus. I remember the Lord told me one time. He said people will come to the altar and they'll repent. And they'll leave their sins at the altar. He said, but they'll come to the altar and pray about their problems and their burdens and their troubles. And he said, and they get up, they pick them back up and take them with them. It's time to lay your burdens down. It's time to lay your burdens down. Jesus said in Isaiah, he said, I'm your burden bearer. Amen. Did he not say it? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But... We don't have that now because we won't let him carry us. You got to learn to trust this Savior. And you got to learn to put your burdens on him. Hallelujah. I want you to go with me to the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter. And I didn't have time to write down any type of thoughts. I just put the scriptures down because the Lord just started giving me this the other day. And I just haven't had time. Usually I'll spend Saturday in prayer and studying, but I had to minister last night. And I just felt led of the Lord to, I went by and seen Brother Pope the other day, and, and he's got his tent up down there in Adairsville. And he said, Brother John, he said, I want you to come minister for me. I said, Brother Ronnie, I said, I'll pray about it. I ain't going nowhere and ministering for anybody. I don't care who they are unless the Lord leads me. And you know what prophecy came out last week and I played it here through Sister Angela. God's bringing a separation. And I went back and I went over the words of that prophecy and God said ministers right there in that meeting had operated in the wrong spirit. And see, I've been 
braided and chastised for years. Because it's just certain people I don't feel right about. Looks good on the outside. But I don't go by what I see. I don't go by what I hear. I go by this in here. She can tell you for 34 years, this in here don't miss. I've told her stuff about people. I've told her things I felt. Somewhere it'll bear out. Don't matter what you say. Don't matter what you look like. Don't matter how good you look. This still small voice that speaks to me and gives me this feeling, I follow the leadership of it. I've had people just chide with me. Well, you're wrong. This ain't and it proved out. That spirit that's led me for 44 years. It's right. It's right. There's separation. God's fixed to separate them. There come a place and Jesus stepped out and preached, I am the bread of life. I am that bread that came down from heaven. And if a man may eat thereof, he shall live and not die. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible went on and said, from that day, many turned and walked no more with him. There's fixing to be a turning from people. They ain't going into this kingdom. They ain't going to pay the price for it. They don't want to reproach. Just like y'all was talking, everybody wants to live a glorious life. I mean, I was so amazed at people last night. They could sing, they could shout, they could praise God, they could talk in tongues as much as nothing there. Nothing. Just good religion. Have no power, have no peace, have no joy. The Bible said the kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but it is peace righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. People don't even have joy. Do you know the Bible talked about the churches in the book of Acts? They walked in the comfort and the joy of the Holy Ghost. They walked in the comfort and the joy of the Spirit of Christ that was inside of them. I remember July the 4th, 1995, had a tent in Fife, Alabama. A tornado hit it. About 4.30 in the afternoon. Just like that. It was on the ground. $7,000, $8,000 worth of equipment just piled up in the heat. Just like that. I headed over there. The, the man that was with the tent called me. I seen, the, I, turned the, I seen it getting dark. Turned the TV on. Saw the radar. Seen it headed right for it. I, I said, I got to go. Got in the van headed over there. And man, you talking about wind and rain. I couldn't get there. And when I got over, the tent was on the ground. And they had tried to hold the tent. And I told them, I said, don't y'all ever do that again. And one lady, a, a, a quarter pole fell and broke her arm. And I prayed for it right there and God healed it. But they got all discouraged. They got all down. And so... My daddy had a church about seven, eight miles up the road. So we just moved the revival over there for a few nights. And I sent him down to get my other tent because I had two tents. And the devil said, you put that up, I'll blow that one down. I said, you do whatever. If God wants me in the tent ministry, I said, he'll give me a brand new one. I said, I don't care how many tents you blow down. I said, you only going to blow them down if he'll let you blow them down. And I remember I come out the next night at the church and the people's out there working with me. I think there's four of them. 
that's out there taking care of the tent and helping with the front and they, were, and, and they were just so down and so discouraged and I walked out took the platform at night and I walked out walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost walking in the comfort of Holy Ghost I'm walking in the comfort of Holy Ghost they come to me after service and say Brother Ben what's the matter I said what you ain't upset because the tent blew down you lost all this equipment I said it's done God allowed it well we ready to give up and go home I said if that's all it takes to move you bye if all it takes is a little tent blowing down a little trouble upsetting a little storm come through I said you ain't grounded you ain't established you ain't settled I said this wasn't no surprise to God he let it happen. But I'm going to tell you something. Two nights, big tent in the air, revival broke out. People got saved. They got delivered. They got set free. One lady just come out of an insane asylum 30 days in an insane asylum. Had panic attacks. Couldn't drive two miles. Prayed to prayer. Faithful God delivered her. Time that meeting was over, she's driving 10 miles in the dark every night to come to the tent by herself. See, the devil... Didn't want that kind of deliverance. But you can't let what the enemy does or what God allows take your peace away from you. And people allow troubles and upsetness to take away their peace. Because they don't understand the peace of God. Does the Bible not say there's a peace of God that passes what? All understanding. What you don't understand what you can't comprehend in your mind in the natural, there's a peace of God that goes beyond that. And you can have peace in any situation. You walk in comfort and joy of the Holy Ghost in any situation. And I'm telling y'all this because God is fixing to reveal a peace that we ain't never walked in because we're fixing a need of peace what's, what's fixing to hit the earth. I'm telling you, there's trouble. There's upsetness. There's People and preachers and ministries that I've been around for years. I'm fixing to have to separate from them. And I know it. I know it. God's been telling us for years. There's a separation. There's a separation. Why? People only going to go so far. There's people, they just want so much in God. and they. I want all of God. Anybody want all of God? I want all of God. I want everything He is. And I'm going to tell you something. If that spirit gets in here, there's going to be peace. There's going to be peace in every situation, every circumstance. I don't care what they're telling you. I don't care what's happening in your life. I don't care what's going to hell in a handbasket. Y'all pardon my straightforwardness. But there's sometimes everything just seems to fall apart. And we get frustrated. We get aggravated. We get upset. And then we start worrying. We start fretting. We start allowing the enemy to attack our minds and put us in turmoil and we forget he's in control. We'll confess it with this but we don't believe it in here. We won't believe it in our spirit man. Doubt and unbelief don't come from your spirit man. It comes from your carnal man. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. peace. So where's our peace? 
Where's our peace? Hallelujah. From John 14. Verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Y'all get that? The Holy Ghost comes in the name of Jesus. Therefore, if you're baptized in the true name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you're baptized in the name of Jesus. I just throw that in. That didn't cost you nothing. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid. Any ever ever get in situations and fear just gets a hold of you? Hallelujah. You got a battle of fear. You got a battle of doubt. You got a battle of unbelief. You, you worry about things. You fret about things. You walk the floor. You pace. You holler. I don't know how it's going to work out. I can't do this. I ain't got the money for this. I just don't see how this is going to happen or that's going to happen. I don't know how God's going to do this. Go worry about it. He's God. He's God. He don't need your help. <laughs> I remember they used to sing a song. He's God all by himself. <laughs> when he reaches down to work his mighty plan, he don't need our help. All he needs is a willing vessel to let his spirit flow through. <coughs> he, he told his disciples, he said, I'm fixing to go away. And they got all worried. They got all fretful. They got all upset. And he said, but... My peace or my rest I leave with you. He said the world can't give you this. world can't give you this peace. He said but my peace I let not as the world giveth. He said but I give you my peace. I give you my rest. Amen. There is a rest in God. Yes. Mm. <laughs> my God I feel a peace and a rest of God we fix to step into we ain't never walked there we ain't never walked there because we live with anxiety we live with fret we live upsetness this carnal man is still alive see God's been telling us he's going to baptize us into his death and when you're baptized into his death then the only thing that's going to dwell here is the life of Christ and when the life of Christ dwells here, you're going to walk in a spiritual mind. You ain't going to walk in a carnal mind. See, we can't imagine this. We have lived so many years in this carnality and worn with this doubt and this fear and this unbelief and knowing that Jesus was real, but we just can't reach that place that sin and the works of this flesh has no dominion over. We can't imagine it. We're fixing to live in peace. Fixing to live in peace. Total comfort and peace of the Holy Ghost. That things ain't going to shake you. What did Jesus, or Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians, I believe it was, or 1 Thessalonians 2nd chapter, be not soon shaken in mind. Don't be troubled. He said there's coming a great falling away. 
Jesus said in, in John 14, this first, first, thing, first verse in John 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's house are many wealthy, rich places that you ain't never tapped into. You ain't never, well, I just ministered on that, that vision God gave me. There's places we ain't tapped into. Things, them doors ain't open. Things God hadn't revealed. He hadn't opened our understanding to things. But there's a, there's a piece of God that's fixing to be opened unto us that it doesn't matter what kind of news you get, what happens in your life, you are going to have a complete comfort and joy and peace of the Holy Ghost because the kingdom of God is peace. You're going to walk in the righteousness of God and have joy no matter what's going on. This mind we got now can't comprehend that. Can't understand that. Because everything goes wrong. We just, <laughs> we just go to pieces. Do we not? Sometimes we're ready to fight. And there comes time sometimes we're just ready to let down and quit. The battle can get so strong we're just ready to say, So what the Lord wants you to do? I can't handle this, God. I don't know how to handle this. You take it. And give me your peace. I had somebody just ranting and raving at me yesterday. I said, why don't you pray for God to give you peace? He's the one who puts you in the fire. Railing at me because it was under pressure and in the fire. I said, take it up with God. He puts you there. I said, we're trying to teach you something. You know, we want to get in trouble, get in trials, get in upsetness, and then we want to get in, oh, God, move this. You don't need God to move it. You need to get victory over it. You need to learn to get victory over things. We all get vexed and aggravated and upset in our temper. If we don't watch it, get out of hand. I'm sorry, I, did I say that out loud? This old timber carnal man. Now see, I'm a, I'm a scrapper. I've been one all my life. My mama told me, she said, boy, she said, when you were little, just four, five, six years old, she said, I thought I was going to have to beat you to death. Said you would fight anything with anything and about anything if you wasn't happy with it. You'd just fight. But see, it's something God put in me. Because i got to fight for this gospel. i got to fight for this kingdom. And still, if you push me the wrong way, I'll get in your face. I mean, i got to be real careful because I ain't, I ain't never been one let somebody run on me. I don't care how big you was. I just won't let somebody run over me. If anybody tries to run over me, there's just something rises up in me. And I got I gotta learn to keep it in check. Because years ago when I first started serving God, I don't get mad very often, but if I ever got mad. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Red, white, and blue, green, yellow, lights, fireworks, oh, yeah. dynamite. <laughs> Fourth of July D Day and the atomic bomb falling at Hiroshima and Nagasaki all at one time, they'd all go off. <laughs> and I've seen times I'd be 8, 10, 12, 14 days in a fast, and my flesh get upset, and I'd lose everything I fasted and prayed for. Make me some mad. I said, now I've got to go back and do it all over again. 
And I got out and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and petitioned God and sought God. God, get rid of this temper. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I can't serve you with this kind of temper. And the Lord finally spoke to me. He said, if I take your temper away from you, he said, you ain't no good to me. He said, you take a wild animal or you take an animal that it's got spirit or it's got temper. And he said, you break it, said it's useless. He said, but I'll teach you to channel that temper against the devil. And I've got to learn, to, I've had to learn to channel, to turn that. And center it on the warfare. Not on an individual, but on the warfare. Are you following with me? I've had to learn to do that. But still, i got to check myself. Because I just... And I tell my wife sometimes, I said, I think i got too much fight in me. Because it just, it just rises up. And I know sometimes she gets tired of hearing about things I get vexed with. But there's just something God put in me. Because if he didn't, I wouldn't stand for this word in this kingdom like I do. But when I know God spoke to me, don't come against this. Don't come against it. Because if you want to hear the word of God, I can take the word of God and I can show you where I'm at. One thing about me, I know what I believe and I've got the word to back it up. And I'm trying to teach you the word that you will have what you need because this life and this kingdom and this authority and this dominion that God's revealing, people fix to come hunting for it. They fix to come looking for it because all this out here ain't working. All this we saw last night, and it just hurt my heart for them people. I said, my God, them people dead and don't know it. Them people just dead and don't know it. There ain't nothing there. I mean, all this shouting and hollering and stammering lips. And, and, and just, there ain't nothing in it. But it's all the God they've ever been taught. That's what's sad. It's all the God people ever been taught. And they're bound by religion and don't even know it. And here God has put life in us. And we're sitting here with it all locked up inside. But I'm going to tell you something. That life come out of me last night. I stand outside the tent waiting to take service. Brother Pope was out there with me. And a, a lady probably 35, I'd say average years old, walked up and began to sign with him. And Brother Pope began to sign back to her and talk to her. And I got a chance to talk to him. And I said, I said, who is that? He said, I don't know. She just come by the tent one day. I said, I didn't know you knew sign language. He said, I learned sign language when I was in third grade. And he said, I've used it all my life. I said, really? And he was standing there just talking to her with sign language. And so I had him find out what had happened to her. And see, she said a big spider bit her. She's three years old, took her hearing. She went totally deaf because of the poison or whatever. And he said, she, she just walked by the tent one day and started talking to me. Said, she told me she was coming. Said, this is the first night she'd been here. So got her to stay. And I preached on that piece last night. And then I called for the prayer. And she was the first one I called for. And when I laid hands on her, the power of God was so strong that it hit her. And it throwed her backwards and me backward. And Justin was behind me. If he hadn't, I'd probably fell on the ground. It was just that strong. And immediately... I walked over and stepped right up to her right ear and done like that. She said, like this. She heard it. God started something in her. Started the healing in her. But people were amazed. You know why? You don't see that. You don't see that. Had another lady there that had bulging disc in her neck. 
And I had her sit down in the chair and had Sister Deborah come check her. She had one leg, one leg just about that much shorter than the other because them bulging discs. And Sister Deborah's holding her feet. And I kneeled down there and I didn't hardly get my hands on her feet. The power of God just come out of me. And when it did, that leg just went. And Sister Deborah was holding on to her. She told me, she said, my God, Brother Matter, she said, the power of God come out of you like I knocked me down. She said, I felt that thing grow. She said, I felt that thing grow in my hand. She said, that's a weird feeling. But it's a powerful feeling. But see, there's a confidence and a peace and a power in what God is putting in me that's going to minister to this lost and dying generation. And that's what every one of us need. We need that peace. We need to know God's with us. We need to know God's uh, going to take care of things. We've got to put our trust and our confidence in Him. And here Jesus said, yeah, I'm going away, but I'm going to leave you peace. I'm going to leave you peace. John 16, verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and ye shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. See, it don't matter who I got to separate from, says Susie. I'm not alone. Don't matter. Who cast my name out as evil and don't want to fellowship me? I was telling brother and sister elder coming back. I said, man, I said, I remember going to a church in the 90s and preaching. Had so many miracles. And I came back in about three months that people were standing in the lobby. And they put folding chairs up and down the aisles. Had so many miracles. And, and somebody posted a picture the other day. I was praying for a lady. Uh, that had a short leg and praying the prayer of faith for and the church was packed out and the folding chairs were sitting up and down the aisles and now they won't even invite me to preach. I said, it's sad. The people get so set in form and doctrine and the ministry's moving on. The ministry's moving on. Let me tell you, every time that pillow of cloud moved, you didn't move with it, you stayed behind. You got, they got to Jordan Two and a half tribes of Israel settled on this side of Jordan. Didn't want the promise. They said, we happy right here. This folks will settle down in religion and don't want to go no further. My God, I'm pacing that bank. Hollering, God, how you going to do it? How you going to do it? When them waters could apart, how you going to do it? Talk to me, Jesus. I, talk to me, Lord. I, I'm tired of this sand. I'm tired of this heat. I, I'm tired. I, God, I've been through 40 years in the wilderness. I, I'm ready to go over. I, God, how you going to do it? I, there's a land over there flowing with milk and honey. I, the good things of God is over there. I, I want to taste the Lord and see I, that he's good. The peace, the joy, the comfort. I, of the Spirit of God uh, is over that Jordan. Uh, my God, show me what you're going to do. Uh, I'm ready to go over. Yeah. Are you ready to go over? Yes. I don't want to live in religion. I ain't going to live in religion. Just like I told y'all last week, things don't work out here and i got to put up a tent with porta toilets. Preach this gospel in LJ. I'll do it. I'll do it. Why? God put me here. You, they not doubt in my mind when God spoke to me on April 11th my brother Jimmy Thornburg laid hands on me and told me I've called uh, you're an apostle you're going to go ground you're going to go settle establish many churches you're going to plant that was the word you're going to plant many churches and you be careful this doctrine you preach you be sure it's God you be sure it's the revelation I'm giving you the revelation and the mysteries that I gave the apostles I, hallelujah and you, you plant it I, people are going to believe it 
you plant this, it's going to reproduce. This thing going to reproduce. I remember wasn't uh, too long after that, I heard that cold chill voice of Satan speak to me uh, in an audible voice and said, uh, ain't nobody going to believe what you're preaching. Uh, I sat there for just about 30 seconds. I said, too late, devil. Somebody already does. Uh, I said, don't tell me ain't nobody going to believe it. Uh, somebody already does. Uh, but they see, you got to be kingdom-minded. Uh, you got to be kingdom-minded. you got to be kingdom-chosen. Uh, there's a chosen seed of God, uh, and there's a seed that's not chosen. Uh, and that's when God spoke to me several weeks back uh, and said, out uh, of the loins of Abraham, uh, though he was heir to the promise, God gave him the promise. Uh, two seeds come out of him, uh, but only one could possess it. Do you hear what I said? Two seeds come out of him, come out of his loins. They were both his heirs, but only one could possess. You know why? Because only one was born according to the promise. The church is not possessing what God has to them according to promise. They're trying to do it through doctrines and traditions of men. And God said, ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. He said, cast out the bondwoman. So she, she shall not be heir. Her seed, her son shall not be heir with the son of the free. Though Ishmael and Isaac both came out of Abraham's loins. They were both his seed, Abraham's seed. They were both Abraham's seed, were they not? Did he not father both of them? That means they had a right. And Ishmael should have had the firstborn, which is a double portion. The firstborn gets the double portion. He is better than everybody else. But because he came out of the bondwoman and didn't come according to what God spoke. See, we got to do this thing like God wants it done. We got to do this thing. And that's when God spoke to me. And I, 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 at least she said, I don't remember you telling me. But that's when I heard God say, uh, speak to me and say, the Ishmael church is alive and well. The Ishmael church, it's alive and well. It's doing just what it wants to do. Eat up with flesh. But yet, wants the blessings of God. You can't serve God in Mammoth. Word says you can't. Can't have God on one hand, the world on the other. And that's what the church is doing. She partied up with the world. The Ishmael seed became a great nation. That's why you got all your trouble in the Middle East now. Ishmael seeds, the Palestinians. They're going to keep things stirred up. You know why? There ain't no peace in them. Man, I don't know why God's getting me off on this. Hallelujah. John 16. And I know I read, start reading 32. I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things, verse 33, have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace or you might have a rest. Are y'all with me? In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if the Spirit of Him lives in you, there is an overcoming faith and power in you to overcome and be partakers of everything He overcome. And we're not doing it. We're not letting this work in us to be made a partaker of His divine nature. When you become a partaker of His divine nature, then everything He is becomes a part of you. Did y'all hear what I said? 
Everything that He is becomes a part of you. I remember the Lord had me preach years back. And I think first place I ever preached it was down at the Twin City Ministers meeting. But it's getting ready for service that morning. The Lord started speaking to me about being grafted in. So I went out and I took a branch off of a tree. And then I cut another branch. And while I was preaching, I skinned the bark back on one branch, skinned the bark back on the other branch, put it together, and taped it together. And I said, now if this is planted, I said, where I have tied these two together and cut the bark back, I said, somewhere they'll graft together. And I said, if this is a red limb and this produces a yellow apple, I said somewhere what comes off of that one limb is going to be different for a little while. You may have an orange. You may have a yellowish red. But somewhere once all the sap comes out of that branch that was grafted in, I said it's going to produce whatever the root is. Because it comes out of the root. Whatever that tree's going to produce comes out of the root. And when that thing's purged, it's going to produce a pure fruit. God's trying to purge us to produce a pure fruit. And He keeps trying to get, graft us in. And He keeps trying to prune us and whittle on us and cut our bark back, bind us together. And I always keep hollering as God, I want to do it my way. <laughs> Go ahead. Make it rough. But see if we'll let God work in all this cutting and pruning and whittling. And, and when you prune a tree, you actually wound it. But you wound it for its benefit. You take away the weakness that's in that tree. It might produce first year trees out there. It's got little old bitty skinny limbs. It might produce 40 apples. Little old bitty things. Because the, the branches are weak. They ain't strong enough to produce fine fruit. So you go out there and you whack some of these little branches off. Next year it produces bigger fruit and better fruit. And as you prune it and the branches get bigger and grow and the sap can flow through it to feed that apple, they're going to get bigger and better and more mature. Yes. And we keep telling God how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I did say that out loud, didn't I? Yeah. We keep telling God how to prune us. Yeah. We do. We keep telling God how we want God to work this out. I told my wife here the other day, probably been two or three weeks, I said, I'm going to start me a page on Facebook called My Bible. She just listened to me. And I said, I'm going to start it out, My Bible Says. And I'm going to get people to write in and put input in it what they think the Bible says and what their interpretation of the Scripture is. I said, because nobody follows the Word anymore. They write their own Bible. <laughs> she just looked at me. I said, everybody wants to write their own Bible. They want to tell God how they want to live, what they want to do, what their interpretation of the Word is. It don't matter what your interpretation of the Word is. It matters what's thus saith the Spirit of the Lord. Are y'all with me? There's too much 
confliction, too much doctrine, too much tradition, too much junk has crept into the church. And that's what God was speaking by Brother Lonzo Cromer last week. We got to get back to a pure gospel. That's what she was speaking. She went to Fort Payne, what, March? April? And preached on a perverted gospel. We've got a perverted gospel out there and it's producing nothing. What did Paul say in Galatians 1? I marvel at y'all that you are so soon removed from this gospel unto another gospel, which is not another gospel, but there would be those that would pervert the gospel of Jesus. In other words, they will water it down. Water it down. What did, what did Paul get in such a contention with them about? Certain brethren came down, said, except you be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. Paul said, that ain't the gospel. Y'all trying, trying to mix the law with the gospel. Y'all trying to blend all this in. Y'all trying to water everything down. Y'all just don't want to change. Y'all want things your way. Right. Amen. Y'all want things your way. God ain't going to give us the... Let me tell you something. This ain't Burger King. You don't get it your way. Right. You know how it used to be the Burger King commercial. We'll do it your way. Just order it how you want it. We'll let you have it your way. No, not an issue you won't because it ain't your way. It's God's way. The reason things are so messed up and people have no peace, they have no joy, they have no rest in their spirit, and they live in such anxiety, torment, fear, trouble, upsetness is because it's been mixed. You can't have pure when everything's mixed up. But Jesus said, after in the world you're going to have tribulation. But he said, me, you're going to have peace. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome everything you're battling right now. I've overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride. Is that what the Bible says in 1 John's in the world? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. So see, if he wasn't a man, he wouldn't have had to deal with that. But him being a man, he had to deal with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. That's everything Satan tempted him with in the wilderness. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And he conquered every bit of it. And we're still battling it. We're still battling it. There's things in me, in my flesh. I mean, my flesh still loves it. My flesh, there's, there's things my flesh still loves. Get me around a bunch of classic cars. And I'll start drooling. We went through, somehow we got turned around. We went through Jasper yesterday, going to, down to Daresville. And we turned the corner right there on 53 and headed down right there where Home Depot and all that was. And, and man, I looked over and there said about 30 classic cars. And I went, oh my God. Because <laughs> there's just something about the old classics I love. I just think they're pretty. They were simple. You can understand how to work on them. You could raise the hood and get up on the fender well and sit, almost sit down on each side of the motor and change the spark plugs. Now you just go, turn a car over on its top and climb up through the bottom and change spark plugs on it. There ain't no carburetors. Everything's fuel injection. You can't take an Allen wrench and raise the window on a distributor and set the points like you could on no Chevrolet. Or take the distributor loose and rotate it and you can listen and get the exact timing on it. Didn't have to have a timing line. Didn't have to have a computer or a diagnostic machine. Cost you thousands of dollars. Now you can't even tune a car up. They've changed everything. Man, I like simple. But I just love to see restored old classics. It just, 
Something in my flesh. I just love it. I don't know. I've loved it ever since I was a small boy. I don't think it's a bad thing. But it don't need to have a hold on us. Amen. And it don't have a hold on me. But I said many times, I say it's a good thing. It's a good thing I don't have money. <laughs> but back when the tornado hit Alabama, back in 2011, we went out and ministered to the folks, and you know helped them. We took sheets and towels and food and different things, and I think some of y'all went with us. And we got to a place, and there was a man in a wheelchair, big concrete pad sitting out there, probably big or bigger than this church. And he said, you see that right there? I said, yes, sir. He said, that was a garage. And he said, I had classic cars that I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on. And he said, ain't one of them left. That tornado picked him up and destroyed every one of them. But see, that was his God. That was his God. You can't let things in the natural become your God. I don't believe the Lord cares what you have. Because the Bible said Abraham had his own army of 318 men. Y'all know when Lot got captured? Abraham sent his own personal army. He said he had his own personal army of 318 men. That man was rich. He went down to Abimelech and, and God spoke to him because I think it was Abimelech or one of, maybe it was Pharaoh fixed to take Sarah's wife. God spoke to him in a dream and said, that man's a prophet. You touch his wife and won't kill you. He said, I'll tell you what you do tomorrow. And the bank opens, you go down there and get that man a thousand pieces of silver. Said, you take your best sheep, your best goats, your best men servants, your best maid servants, give it to him, send him on his way. God blessed him. God blessed him. Had riches. Flocks and herds and servants. Couldn't even count them. Had riches. But God was first. I'm telling y'all, we fix to come in something. If he's come into something in Christ that we ain't never walked in. And it's going to bring a peace. It's going to bring a rest. Y'all hear me? Because the gospel was came and preached to bring peace. Go to Romans, the fifth chapter. I'm just touching on things. There's a part of this I want to get to. I don't know if I'm going to get to or not. Romans, the fifth chapter. First verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, we say, he said we have peace through Jesus Christ. The Bible said Jesus came and preached peace. Not only to the Jews, but to them that were far off. The word was preached. There's people who want to preach a separation gospel. I want to preach an inclusive gospel. That includes all races. All people of all nations. Because we are all baptized by one blood. And all nations are baptized. All nations have been bought with one blood. Are y'all with me? We ain't better than nobody else. But there's people get what they call the Holy Ghost and they want to exclude themselves from sinners. They want to exclude themselves from other religions. God didn't call you to be exclusive. Yeah, I know you've got to separate yourself from certain things, but he called you to preach an inclusive gospel that's going to reach everybody. Going to touch all races, all kindreds, all creeds, 
all nationalities. That's the reason I can go to India and preach them people over there because God's gave me a love for them. If I had the means, I'd probably go to India once a month if the Lord would let me. Maybe I could borrow World Changers jet that they don't think they need anymore since they got that new, I think he did get that new jet, $65 million. So said he had one worth 35 or 40 Maybe they'd pass that on to me. And I could use it to preach some real gospel. I could do some world changing at the mind and the wisdom of God. But I'm not after things in this world because he said my kingdom's not of this world. Do I believe he's fishing to give us the finances and the equipment to preach this gospel all over the world? I sure do. I told y'all I had a dream or a vision back in 1988. I saw this huge field like in Africa. It was like an African heathen nation. The people were dressed in there and they were standing there holding spears and shields and, and you know, like a long dirt road. And I was watching this. And I seen a private jet, probably hold about 10, 15 people, come down out of the sky and land on that long dirt road and just taxied. I wept where them people were standing. The door opened about three steps, come down, and I stepped out of that jet. And that king, that chief, whoever he was, the ruler of them people, walked up, bowed down on his knees, and looked up at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, please, help my people. Help my people. People need help. They're sick, they're diseased, they're dying, they're bound. They're wounded, they're bruised, they're rejected. And they don't know a God of peace. There's a peace we've never known that God's fixing to bring to us. Are y'all hearing me? He's fixing to bring to us and it's going to give us rest. Then we ain't going to worry about things. No matter what happens, we ain't going to worry about it. I'm sure everything you went through in your trials, says Susie, there was some torment, there was some fear, there was some anxiety. Because you was facing death. You knew you was. But yet, through it all, there'd come a time, God give you peace. Wasn't there all the time? Because you had to fight that fear. You had to fight the torment of leaving your kids. You had to fight all that. But see, we're going to be able to go through them kind of trials that God so desires, there's going to be perfect peace. Perfect peace. Because we don't never know what's fixing to happen. You don't know what's fixing to happen right here. You don't know when you walk out that door what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen before the sun goes down. But God's trying to equip us that whatever he does, we can rest in him. And have perfect peace over everything. I remember, uh, you've been to Twin City. You know Brother Scott down there, the tall African-American brother, assistant pastor down there in Twin City. Well, when they was in the little church, before they built the big church, they was worshiping God. His wife fell dead. Right in church, right in the worship service, aneurysm hit her heart. Just like that, she fell dead. Fell dead in the house of God, worshiping God. But he had peace over it. If you can fall dead in the house of God, what's out there? You know, y'all think we're protected in here. And we are. Unless God decides to let something happen. See, don't nobody think anything bad is supposed to happen in the house of God. There's supposed to be terrorist attacks in churches. There's already been shootings in churches in this country. But I mean, there's supposed to be attacks in churches in this country. I mean, going to kill into the hundreds. 
and maybe more. Don't devastate churches. But if you're walking where you need to be walking, you're going to be a perfect peace. And if ain't your time to be harmed, ain't nothing going to harm you. Ain't nothing going to harm you. See, that's the peace the Lord's bringing to us. And I feel God working something in this that we ain't never had. But you know, the Word says we got to labor to enter into His rest. There's a labor. There's a labor. And this is the Scripture. I want y'all go to me to Matthew 11. This is one of the Scriptures the Lord spoke to me. But you know when the Word talks in Isaiah 53... It says, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. So when they put the crown of thorns on His hand, head, when they blindfolded Him, spit on Him, slapped Him, said, prophesied to us who smoked thee, plucked His beard, all that chastisement was so you could have peace. You'd be healed. All your sins, transgressions taken away. But see, that don't give you peace. Salvation, just get repentance of your sins, don't give you peace. We said the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He paid that you could have peace. Total perfect peace. No matter what's happened, complete perfect peace. And we don't have that. We as believers don't. Believe me, I know I walked the, I walked the floor, prayed, fretted, worried. Screamed, hollered, cried, wallowed. <laughs> Fussed at God. What are you doing to me, Lord? This pressure's about to kill me. God, here's what your word says. When are you going to do this? Oh, don't tell me y'all ain't done it. We've all done it. He going to do it at his time. Because he don't work on your timetable. When they sent him word and told him Lazarus was sick, he stayed right where he was. Because it wasn't God's will to heal Lazarus. It's God's will to raise him from the dead. So he stayed right where he was, I think, six days. And he said, Let's go visit Lazarus. Let's go wake him up. He's sleeping. One disciple said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, said he's doing good then. If he's been sick, sleeping's good for him. You said he's dead. Oh, okay. So when he got there, Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. And he asked one of the sisters, I can't ever remember which one it was. He said, you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? He said, Lord, I believe that he'll be raised at the last days. He said, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth shall never die. He said, where have you laid him? They said, come and see. He got over and looked at that stone. He said, roll it back. But Lord, he'd been in the grave four days. By this time he's corrupting, he's decomposing. By this time he stinketh, his flesh rotting did I not tell you? If thou couldst believe, thou would see the glory of God. See, Jesus wasn't late. Everybody's thing was, why didn't he come healing? Why did he let him die? This man that opens the eyes of the blind and stops the deaf ears, brings the lame off their cots. 
heals the man, makes him whole. Why didn't he show up? On time. God ain't never going to come on your time. He ain't never going to show up on your time. Because he don't operate on your time. He operates on his time. He's eternal. Time don't matter. I remember the Lord told me, quit looking at the clock. Don't live your life governed by a clock. Unless you've got an appointment, you don't pay no attention to the clock. If I tell you, get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, read and study and pray, you get up. He said, I don't care if you went to bed at 1 and I wake you up at 2. Get up and pray. Get up and study. He said, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to me. And he said, you quit living your life on a time clock. Think you've got to go to bed at a certain time, get up at a certain time. He said, you belong to me. He said, I'll set your timetable. Y'all hear me? But still, it's hard to break that pattern. It's hard to break that pattern. And I know we've got there's certain responsibilities we got. We gotta be so aware of certain times, especially if you got a job. I understand that. But even when we God's put us in a position like me and my wife are right now, and it's getting better. We still there's certain things in us wanna do things at certain times because we conditioned ourselves all our lives. But they was, why didn't you show up? Why didn't he get here earlier? Lazarus loved him. Why didn't he come heal him? <laughs> Jesus stopped and prayed and said, Father, I thank thee that when I pray, thou hearest me always. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? When he prayed, the Father heard him always. Man, sometimes we pray say, uh, are you online tonight? Are you listening to me? I ain't feeling a thing. I just didn't know if you're hearing what I'm saying or not. Have you forgot about me, Lord? Have you forgot where I live? No. Why are you letting me deal with this? Why am I going through this pressure? Why do I feel like I'm fixing to lose my mind? Why ain't nothing happening? That is carnal mind thinking. We all do it. We've all done it. God's fixing to take it away from us. Because we're going to walk in peace. We're going to walk in divine rest. But here's scripture God gave me in Matthew. Come unto me. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, or I will give you peace. The word rest and peace interchange in their definitions. Come on, if you're laboring and you're heavy laden, which most of us are, just by problems and troubles of life, he said, if you'll come to me and you're laboring and heavy laden, I'll give you peace. I'll give you rest. I'll give you comfort that everything's going to be okay. You won't have to have all this heavy labor and you won't be laden down. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest or peace unto your souls. Now does this make sense to y'all today? 
people quote scriptures like they're nursery rhymes and don't have no idea what they mean. Well, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and labor, and I'll give you rest. But they don't ever search the word out and see what it means. Amen? He said, I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll let you find peace for your souls, no matter what you're dealing with. But see, you've got to realize, and this is what people don't know, Satan's destroyed. He ain't going to be destroyed. He is destroyed. Bible says in Hebrews 2.14 that he destroyed him that had power of death, even the devil. He destroyed him. When he went to hell, paid for our sins. Before he left hell, he was resurrected, birthed, brought forth. You read Acts 13 and 33, and it says, Thou art my son in 34. He said, Thou art my son this day have a begotten thee. Right there. He begot him and he became the Christ. All power in heaven and earth entered into him right in the midst of hell. He made a triumph. He made a show of the devil over him. He triumphed over him right in the midst of hell. Took the keys of hell and death out of his hand. Took the keys of hell and death right out of his hand and destroyed Satan's power because Satan had that power of spiritual death. Adam gave it to him. Adam gave Satan the power of spiritual death when he was disobedient. Put it right in his hand. Gave him the kingdom. Gave him the authority of the kingdom. Surrendered power over all God's creation. Surrendered the power over everything God had created. Gave, yeah, put it in Satan. That's reading Satan could tell Jesus, all the riches of this world, all the things of this world, you'll bow down and serve me. I'll give them to you. It's been put in my power to give you the things of this world. Been given me to give you all the things of this world. Why? He took it away from Adam. Adam, or Adam gave it to him. Adam gave it to him. But Jesus took it back and totally destroyed Satan. He just didn't destroy the works of the devil, according to 1 John 3 and 9. Amen. He just didn't destroy the works, or 3 and 8, 1 John 3 and 8. I think it says, I, I can't remember how it reads now, but something about he that sinneth is of the devil, for the devil is a liar and sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I think that's 1 John 3 and 8. Is that what it says? Read it, says Kathy. You got it right there? He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. See, he didn't just destroy his works. He destroyed him. He just didn't cut off a branch. He pulled him up by the root. So if you're a believer, Satan is actually destroyed through the power of this gospel, through the authority of this kingdom. Satan's destroyed. He has no power whatsoever over you unless you give it to him. You don't have any power. He has no power. And I don't know if any of y'all growing up ever watched that. I don't know what you call it, but it was... Because I seen it when I was a kid. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Abominable Snowman. Well, Ermie pulled his teeth. <laughs> Took the bite out of him. Wasn't that his name? Took the bite out of him. Satan might be there growling, but his bite's gone. <laughs> he don't have no more bite. He can growl, he can holler, he can... Rawr! But he's just... Or being effective. Now he might try to sit on you. 
but he ain't got no bite. He ain't got. <laughs> hey, like I told him last night, I am what I am. That's what Paul said. I said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So you just got me, and I, what Popeye used to say, I is what I is. So all I can say is, I am what I am. Because I grew up with Popeye and spinach too, back in the 50s. I used to eat my spinach and go out and try to pick things up five times as big as I was. Because I seen them cartoons, Popeye ate his spinach, and all them muscles popped up. I thought I could do it too. Five year old kid, four year old kid, five year old kid. Man, I wish we'd get some Holy Ghost and get super empowered. God's good to us. Amen. Hallelujah. And you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is what I want to get to. And I may be a little bit long preaching today, but I believe it's necessary. And I may come back on this next week because there's a lot to it. But Hebrews 3. Now, I love these scriptures, man. God has started opening these up to me. Y'all with me in Hebrews 3? Y'all want me to go on or y'all want me to let y'all go eat dinner? <laughs> there wasn't but one way y'all could answer that. <laughs> Verse 17. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? but to them that believe not. So we see that we could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. And as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Y'all see that? This thing's already finished. It's already forever settled in heaven. All you got to do is find the door and walk through it. You just got to find the right door. Amen. Works are finished. He said right here, the works are finished from the foundation of the world. Did y'all know the scripture says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world? The word was settled from the foundation of the world. Can't be changed. Sister Melissa, ain't nothing in this world can be changed. God settled it from the foundation of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain from the foundation of the world. Before Adam was ever created, the Lamb of God was slain. The Lord knew what was going to happen. He knew what Adam and Eve was going to do. He knew what was going to come down through the ages, so he went ahead and slayed that lamb in his foreknowledge from the foundation of the world. Everything out there is already in the foreknowledge of God, and it's in God's perfect plan. Well, Brother Matter of fact, said, I just might as well sit down and quit. No, God knows what you're going to do, but you don't. And God gives you a choice. Just because God knows what you're going to do, He gives you a choice. You hear me? He gives you a choice. The Bible said we are predestined and foreordained. There was those that were ordained to eternal life. There are those ordained to the kingdom. There are those chosen of God. I didn't choose you. God chose you. But God gives you a choice to walk in it or not. 
You might be ordained to do it, but it's up to you to do it. Jesus was ordained to do what he done, but he had a choice. Ooh, now you're getting some heavy preaching. He had a choice. If he didn't have a choice, why did he get on his knees and say, Father, for this purpose came I into the world. I've come to this point right here. Now what do I pray? Let this cup pass from me. He could have. He could ask the Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to this cross. I don't want to go through this torment. I don't want to go through this beating. And I especially don't want to go to hell for two and a half days where your presence ain't there and I've got to be tormented by Satan. I especially don't want to do that. That's what he feared. He didn't fear the beating. He didn't fear the, the, the mocking. He didn't fear the shame, the humiliation of hanging on that cross. He feared going to hell without the presence of the Father. For those two days and two nights. That's what he feared. That's why when he got down in that garden and he prayed, the Bible said his, set, his sweat became his great drops of blood. What being in an agony. He was agonizing over what he was fixing to face in the days of his flesh. That man part of him was agonizing because he knew what was fixing to happen. That fear was there. The Bible said in that he feared. If he had been totally been God, he wouldn't have feared. He wouldn't have feared. He was man. He was man and he feared. But he said, what do I pray? Let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will. See, he totally surrendered. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Are y'all with me? Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And he has purchased peace. Everything's been finished. He's purchased it. And he wants us to walk in it. He wants us to walk in this complete, perfect, peace for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise and God did rest the seventh day from all his works if you check the definition of the word rest out it also means cease from labor there ain't any of us that has ceased from our labors yet are y'all still with me or have I lost you y'all still with me okay And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest or my peace, sin therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited the certain day saving David today after so long a time as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day there remaineth therefore a rest or a peace to the people of God that we have not yet obtained there's a peace I'm telling you there's a peace we fix and come to there's a peace we fix and come to that we never walked in never felt never been in his presence like we're fixing to be in his presence you know you get out in prayer and you get in his presence and the spirit of God overshadows you have y'all ever noticed you really get in his presence. All your fear, your doubt, your trouble, your heartache, it just leaves you. There's nothing in that presence that disturbs you. Amen. There's, if you ain't never prayed yourself into that place and the Spirit of God is communing with you, you're missing something. Because you can get in that presence of God and everything of this life just leaves you. You just can't get in that presence. Why? The Lord's trying to show you. 
that he controls all things in control of everything. So next time the enemy starts tormenting you, vexing you, and aggravating you, just lift your eyes up to heaven and sing, Peace, peace, such wonderful peace. It's coming down from the Father above. He give you peace. Because it didn't happen for the people back there. And this word Jesus here translates to the word Joshua. So what he's saying, if Joshua, if when they crossed over Jordan with Joshua and obtained the natural promise, there was peace there, then there wouldn't have been another day spoken of. You could have got it under the law. Can't get this under the law. Can't get this under the law. That's the reason the ones it was first preached to couldn't get it. They tried to do it by works. It's got to be done by faith. It's got to be done by complete trust. Amen. For he that has entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. See, when God done everything he done, the seventh day, God rested. You know where God rested? Right here. Right here. Right here. This is what God trying to do again. He tried to rest right here. He tried to give us that peace. That ever, right here. The fullness of God rested in man. When God made man, ceased from his labors, the fullness of God dwelled in man. We don't know how long it dwelled there, but it dwelled there because man had total dominion over everything. God's trying to do it again. He's trying to do it again. Amen. You love the Lord? Y'all appreciate this word today? Hallelujah. Let's ask God to bless this word. Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, bless it. God, sanctify it in our hearts. Lord, as David prayed, let me hide your word in my heart that I sin not against you. Let your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, order our steps according to your word. Let your will be done in each and every life. God, you touched Justin's heart, Lord. He, he's having to work one Sunday a month. God, I know he wanted to be here. God, Brother Thomas and Sister Kat. Lord, I know Brother Thomas's mom's in the hospital. Lord, give him peace, Lord. God, Sister Pat's been what she's been through the last few days. God, they need this peace, Lord. They need this peace. They need this perfect peace, Lord. But you told us, let's labor to enter into his rest. Help us to labor, Father. Not worry, not fret, not doubt, not fear, but labor to enter into his rest. We give you honor. We give you praise. We worship you. And I thank you, God, for beginning. And I feel like this is the beginning of the revelation of your rest and your peace that's coming to us. Because, Jesus, you came and preached the gospel of peace. God, not only to those that were saved and to the Jews, but you said you preached it to them that were afar off. Thank you, Lord, that you had mercy on the Gentiles. Because, Lord, if you hadn't, they, none of us would know your salvation. Thank you for your mercy and your goodness. The sacrifice of your holy child, Jesus. God, that by his blood all nations have become one blood. Thank you for your goodness, Father. I give you honor and glory. And God, I'm asking you to let this peace begin to work 
in the hearts and minds of your people. Let there be a confidence and an assurance overshadow our souls that all things are in your hands. Teach us, Lord, to live by your word. God, I want to abide in the presence of the Almighty. I want to abide there, Lord. God, you told me back in the late 90s that we could abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I need that. The things you showed me, Lord, I believe were at that day. Some of it, 15, 20, 25 plus years. Some of it way back in the 70s and 80s. Lord, I believe we're coming into some of the things you showed me. Give us a mind to receive and a heart to believe. And I give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if this word was a blessing to you or not, but it was a blessing to me. Because there's so many things that God's allowing us to be tried on right now that I need peace on. I mean, you may think it's easy to walk by faith. When you could go out there and make hundreds of dollars. But every time I try to put my hand in the business, God won't let me. He just won't let me. I was in Alabama the other day and one of our customers had called and that man was supposed to take care of the business. He said, I called him a month ago. He's supposed to got me locks put on this building. He didn't get them. And so I told him I'd get them and I got one, went down there and I said, we're just going to see if this works. And when I got it, I took the old one off, started putting the new one on. It's completely different. So I called the man that worked for me last year because He's an expert locksmith, and I started. He said, where are you at? He said, I'm only two minutes away. So he came down there and started looking at it. He said, I can fix it. I said, well, there's three other doors. I said, you want the job? I said, I'll give you the job and all the money off of it. If you just take the job, I don't want the hassle. I don't want the vexation. I don't want the aggravation. I don't want my mind involved in it. The Lord told me to get my mind free of this stuff. And I turned around and gave him almost $300 worth of work. When I knew I needed it, just gave it to him. Because I didn't want the vexation. I didn't want it in my spirit. Didn't want it upset me. Didn't want the aggravation of it. Didn't want to have to stay there to do it. I just gave it away. Believing that God was going to take care of things. Just believing God was going to take care of it. Amen. So there's things that God's trying all of us in. That we've got to have peace about. And I tell you, when we really get upset is when God makes us uncomfortable. Lord will make you uncomfortable. He can make you sweat. He can make you fear. He can put you in a place you're either going to doubt or you're going to trust Him. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed the whole service from beginning to end. Amen. And I feel like God's taking us somewhere. Because I can tell you this. If you don't think we're going somewhere, just look back where we've been. Like Sister Susie said, if you ain't seen growth in six months, something wrong with you. God bringing you in here to train you and teach you, get you ready. Because y'all remember what God said in that prophecy last week? Hungry's coming. The hungry's coming. Amen. Hungry's coming. What are we going to do when the hungry comes? That's what so amazed me last night when I started preaching. 
All over that tent, I looked, people sitting there with cell phones, video and service. Now, where do you see that happening? But see, I was preaching on this gospel of peace. And I don't know how many people I prayed for last night. I was depressed on antidepressants, anxiety pills, nerve pills. I'm talking about people that will shout and talk in tongues. Say they got something in God. They don't, they don't nerve pills. Sleeping pills. Can't sleep. Can't rest. That means you have no peace. Amen. God give you peace. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask you to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord today in your giving. If you can help us, help us. Because whatever you do to help me and help this church, God's going to bless it. I got that much confidence. That whatever you do to help me. And I was so pleased that Brother Donald and Sister Deborah and Justin drove all the way from Ranger up to Elijah picked me up last night took me to the meeting and then drove me back home and then had to drive back home at one o'clock this morning they put out that sacrifice we got the meeting sister, or maybe it's when I got in the car sister Deborah said brother Metter, I got water I got Gatorade and I got crackers and I appreciate people thinking about it. you know because it was hot in that tent last night I mean time I got through preaching I was soaking wet it was miserable hot Humidity, y'all know, good old southern humidity. <laughs> it was hot. And I've slowed way down in my preaching because I have preached and prayed for people under the tents. And I get through praying for them, I'd stand on the prayer ramps. And I get through praying for them, I'd be standing in a pool of my own sweat. I've actually seen that. I'd just be, and I'd go in the trailer and take my t shirt off and wring out a pint of water. So. Those kind of things help, especially when I'm dealing with this weakness in my body. But we're getting better, and the Lord's being good. But I'm asking you tonight, if you can help us, help us. Do what's right in God's eyes. That's all I ask you to do. God speaks to you, be obedient to his voice. Because he speaks to you, he's going to take care of things. Amen. You love the Lord? Stand and come in honor of the Lord in your giving. You got something for missions? I forgot to bring mine. Man, the last two or three weeks, I've been getting $1 bills hand over fist. Thank you, brother. Love you, man. Bless you, Susie. I enjoyed that exhortation. Hallelujah. You know, God's given us a good core here. He's given us a good core of believers. And I, I can feel God putting a unity among us. Y'all feel God putting a unity among us? And I appreciate that. I do. And I appreciate God giving us a pure gospel. As much as we know it can be preached... We're getting a pure gospel. But it ain't just sit here and soak it up. It's to get prepared. That prophecy God spoke last week by Sister Angela, he said the hungry are coming. What did my wife see when she opened that door? Hungry are coming. That brother had that dream in Fort Payne. He said something happened, Brother Matter. And he said he's in Fort Payne preaching. They started bringing the the notable, like the paraplegics, and, and he said, God's just healing them. And he said, people was all over the lot, packed a church out, standing to the road, and he said he seen cars backed up a mile and a half and two miles trying to get to the church. People have, got, got to have something. Because I'm going to tell you something, if it can get bad, this country can go through some things. Y'all remember I told y'all that Lord told me things fix start happening in series? The storms happen. 
And then Blue Angel jet crashed. Guy got killed. Thunderbird crashed. The Air Force team. Thunderbird crashed. He ejected. And then about four or five days after that, two fighter jets run together and exploded in the air. Pilots got out. But that was three right in a row. God said they're going to come in series. He said, don't underestimate the word God puts in me. Because somewhere God will back it up. Amen. He'll back it up. Do you love him? Have you had a good time today? I've had a good time. Brother Donald, just come on and pray over the offering and dismiss for us. And y'all give the Lord a good clap offering. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There it is. I keep mashing the wrong button. Can't get no action if you don't mash the right thing, can you? Hallelujah. Well, I tell you, this this service has been awesome. Sister Susie all charged up after that revival all week and that studying she done. That was good, Sister Susie. Enjoyed it. Hallelujah. But God is good. It's really good. Appreciate it. I appreciate just having the opportunity to be here. Boy, we trying to help take care of the pastor yesterday and coming up. And, of course, if you've got a son like we got, he, he kind of pushes you along a little bit. He, when he wants, I could tell when he's wanting something because he won't come right out and ask me sometimes. He'll kind of bump around it, you know, and hint. You know, if he's got a need for money, he'll call and let me know what his need is. And I told him one day, I said, why are you calling me? Let me know what your need is for. He said, because, Daddy, I know when you think about it, you'll come through somewhere for me. <laughs> he said, I know you'll come through. But he won't, the first thing, he won't come right out and just say, Daddy, I need, lots of times he won't. He goes, I need this, boy. And he'll go through the whole nine yards, and then before you know it, and then, then when he hangs up, you know, and, I get to thinking, well, how can I make this happen? What can I do to to do it? And, and if it don't work with me, he called his mama. But but I'm glad, you know. I mean, it's it's good. And uh, but uh, and he wanted me to come up here last night and ride with him because he had he worked yesterday and. Then had to go back into work today, and, and but he told me, Mom said, I'm not going to ask Dad because I don't know what his plans are or what he wants to do. And so we all just jumped in the vehicle and come up here and picked up the pastor, and we went down there together and fellowshiped on the way down and was in service and come back. And boy, and I got in bed at 1 o'clock this morning, man, I'm, I'm sorry I was yawning in the service. <laughs> Trying to hide it, but I was yawning in the service. Uh, but but God knows. I mean, God knows, but it's not that I wasn't listening. I was listening because it was a good service today, but but it's been good. Thank you, Lord. We're going to say the prayer over the offering and be dismissed. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for the offering that we received, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, Lord. We ask you to bless everything, God, back to the ones that gave today, Lord, and bless it to them, Lord, a hundredfold, God, and 
God, we ask you, Lord, to go with us, Lord, as we go home and wherever we may go, God, and maybe go and continue another services, God, and throughout the week, Lord, maybe we'll be in services through the week, God, and just let us be a help to someone, God, and let us find that peace, God, that, Lord, that the pastor's talking about it, Sister Susie's talking about, and the, the peace, Lord, that's in our lives, Lord, that be nothing that, Lord, that can make us waver or bend or or have any doubt, Lord, but we just have that peace and faith in our spirit and in our lives, Lord, in our daily walk, God. And, and God, that glow that Sister Suze was talking about, Lord, that glow, Lord, and that you don't have to tell everybody that you're a Christian, but they can see that glow on you, Lord Jesus. Help us, to, God, to get into that presence with you, Lord, that we can have that glow, God, that we can be a help to someone, Lord, this week, God, and keep us safe, God, and we meet back at a point of time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.